It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. Joining us is Brandon Gouton. Brandon is the uh, editor-in-chief of uh, the SB Nation site, BleedingGreenNation.com. Manager and editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com. Brandon, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. It's, uh, pr- uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. You know, I'm looking at your site right now, and it's kind of funny. Your name is on four articles at the top of the page, um, and none of them are the one that I'm going to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> the, the article that uh, that I want to ask you about was actually addressed by your colleague there, James Keene, uh, and he kind of answers the question in his headline, which is, the Eagles did not mortgage their future. That's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. We've been talking about this with Cleveland Browns writers and, and media members and people who cover the team closely and get, getting their analysis. Um, I wanted to see how Philadelphia felt about this. Because that's an awful lot of picks in very high positions this year and next year to give up, to move up those six spots. And obviously your colleague says, no, this was the right thing to do. What say you, Brandon? I say the Eagles don't really have a future without a quarterback, and you know this was the move to get one. Uh, if the Eagles just stayed with the status quo, all they have really is Sam Bradford. And I, I think we've just seen enough of Sam Bradford to know that you know, he's going to turn 29 in the fall. He's been average at best to this point in his career, and he's had injury issues throughout his career. He's probably not the answer. There's no other really clear path to the answer. The Eagles usually don't pick high in the draft. They've only been in the top 10 twice in the last 16 years or so. So this is an opportunity for them to get into that striking range of a quarterback. Uh, it's kind of just the perfect time because they have a new head coach and Doug Peterson and everything. It's kind of just a uh, convenient time to, to pair the, the new coach and then the new quarterback and the kind of new GM with Howie Roseman returning and, and kind of go forward from here. Uh, I like that the team is kind of sticking their neck out there and, you know, they're, this is a big risk. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of draft picks involved and if it doesn't work out, it could be ugly, but it's also you know, a move that could work out. And if it does, you know, they'll be set. And if it doesn't, then we'll know who's the blame and who needs to go. You know, um, uh, it's interesting, Brandon. Uh, everything you just said about getting a quarterback, I agree with. Getting a franchise-level quarterback. Because, again, the Browns have just failed so miserably since they came back as an expansion team in 99. And they've tried a number of first-round draft picks, a number, a number of middle-round draft picks. You know, Colt McCoy was a three. Brady Quinn was a first-rounder. So was Johnny Manziel. So was Brandon Whedon. And nothing has really worked. Um, it's a crapshoot, and history tells us that quarterbacks taken in the first round are pretty much a coin flip to either be stars or busts. 
So my question to you is from the Philly perspective is, do you even know who you just traded up to, to number two to get? Or do you think that the Eagles are perfectly fine with Wentz and Goff? They both they have them 1A and 1B, and hey, whatever the Rams do at number one, we're fine with what's left. Or do you think they have their eyes really targeted on one guy that they, they hope uh, that the Rams don't take? I do think they are okay with both, but I, I do also think they know who they are exactly going to get. I think uh, there have there have been a lot of reports out there that golf is going number one to L.A., and even you know if you don't believe those, it kind of doesn't make sense from a logical standpoint. Los Angeles needs a starter. They're in a new market. Uh, I don't think they want to go in there starting Case Keenum. I think they want to go in there with a shiny new toy and, and Jared Goff being from Cal and everything. I think that works out great for them. I think the Eagles know that. I think the only reason we don't know that is because the Rams are kind of playing it up and the NFL doesn't want that to get leaked out because it you know, makes it more interesting uh, and, and for TV and ratings and all of that. So I think the Eagles know who they're going to get, and I think it's Carson Wentz because that's a guy who probably isn't ready to start right away as much as golf is especially. so, And that's okay with the Eagles really because they have Sam Bradford, uh, they have Chase Daniel, so they have short-term guys. They can really afford to bring in Wentz here and be patient with him whereas the Rams really don't have that same kind of luxury. Do you think that um, – I read a columnist, and I can't remember what site it was on uh, yesterday about this, actually, that said, I wonder if the Eagles' willingness to give up that boatload of picks, not quite obviously the same treasure haul that uh, that the Rams got um, – or the Titans got, uh, got from the Rams – but that the fact that you guys were willing to do this or your team was willing to do this, um, probably for Carson Wentz, might make the Rams look and say, wow, they really, really like this guy. If they're willing to move up and do the same thing that we just did, maybe we should take a closer look at him. Do you think it maybe uh, tightens the, the gap, if there is one, between Goff and Wentz, perhaps in the Rams' eyes? I can't say it's impossible, but really I, I think the Eagles don't do this deal and don't be aggressive like this. Uh, if they don't have a really good sense of what the Rams are going to do. Uh, Harry Roseman said he has a really good relationship with uh, Rams GM Les Need. So I, I think there's communication there. I think they kind of have an idea of, of what they're going to do. And I don't see why they would need to screw each other over. I just think that would be unnecessarily uh, unnecessary burning bridges and things like that. I think they have a, a good understanding of what's going to happen. How many holes are there uh, on the Eagles roster that they're going to have to fill to really be a contender to win a division championship and, and to and to become a uh, you know a Super Bowl contender? And the reason I ask that, of course, is when you make this bold move, and I understand your point, as I said before, with with quarterbacks, um, you, you know you you take them whenever you can get a franchise guy. If you haven't had one in a while, you do it, but you gave up a ton. And if there are a lot of holes to be filled, which the Browns certainly have, and they can use every single one of these picks that they just got from the Eagles uh, to fill some of theirs. Um, but if you got a lot, you don't have a lot of picks to fill them with right now. Yeah, it's going to be uh, integral that the Eagles, you know, really, they, they land some some of these late-round guys, kind of try to find some gems even in undrafted free agency. They're really going to have to get the most out of the resources that they do have left. Uh, offensive line is still a big concern for the Eagles. Jason Peters turns 36 after the season. This could be his last year. They're going to have to find an offensive tackle, not necessarily one who can start right away, but at least can start in the future. Uh, they still need a running back. Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles really aren't full-time guys that, that you can count on for the entirety of the season. Uh, they could still afford to add talent at wide receiver. Uh, depth on defense is still an issue at certain spots. So there, there definitely are needs. Again, it's going to come down to really utilizing those late-round picks and things like that and trying to, to make the most out of what they have.
We're talking with um, uh, uh, Brandon Gowton, who is the manager and editor-in-chief of Bleeding Green Nation at, uh, in Eagle's uh, website uh, for SBNation.com. And, uh, and we're talking about the, the hall. Um, are you concerned not just about this year's draft, but, again, it's a number one next year, too, and especially how, how patient will the Eagles fans be if Sam Bradford is your guy? And as you say, Carson Wentz is, is a guy that probably could stand to learn a little bit from some time on the sideline learning from a veteran. Um, but how patient will they be if Bradford struggles and they don't pull the trigger and put Wentz in there and don't want to rush him and they want to, you know, I know Doug Peterson's got a reputation and, and his new staff there of being quarterback builders and that sort of thing. Uh, how patient if, if this is a rough year and Wentz is still not starting and next year you don't get your number one because Cleveland has it uh, before the fans just start screaming, it's got to be Carson Wentz and they make life miserable for Sam Bradford. We've seen that here for so many starting quarterbacks <laughs> who have been placeholders for our young guys. Uh, you know, we have no patience uh, in, you know, in, in Browns country. Jim and I are both Browns fans, by the way, in Toledo. Uh, we have no patience for it. We're screaming, Johnny, Johnny, Brady, Brady, uh, Brandon. Well, he started right out of the gate, but you get the point here. Yeah, I think there's a decent amount of patience for Sam Bradford. Not a ton, not enough to the point where obviously people are uh, sure he's going to be the long-term answer or anything like that. But I think he's going to get a long enough leash to show what he can do in a new offense in a in a year where he's finally coming uh, off an off-season where he's not hurt for once, like he's been the past couple of years. So I think there's going to be they're going to give him certainly a fair shake. But then if you know things go bad, <laughs> there is going to be pressure and, and calls for not only Carson Wentz to start, but also Chase Daniel, I'm sure, even just because of him being you know, having more experience and not being the rookie like Wentz. But, yeah, Eagles fans are going to be eager to see the guy, obviously, who they gave up all these draft picks for, and they, they know who's going to be or at least is supposed to be the quarterback of the future. But I think, uh, you know, like I said, Bradford's going to have his fair chance to kind of keep Wentz out of that picture. And, you know, you talk about the, giving up these future draft picks and, and still having Bradford around. I think the Eagles are really love for Sam Bradford to play at a decent level enough where they're able to trade him because he can easily be traded after this season and possibly recoup some of that value that they gave up in this trade. You know, all the national analysts, uh, when they look at these two guys uh, between Goff and Wentz, are, are pointing out that, you know, the obvious, you know, North Dakota, uh, North Dakota State is North Dakota State, and, and you know, the, 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 the Pac-12 is the Pac-12. Um, how concerned are you about level of competition? Do you think, and I'll be honest with you, before I even let you answer it, I'll kind of half answer it myself, too. You know, the Browns, who just traded this pick to the Eagles, um, did so on the same day that ESPN ran a feature. Uh, about the day the Browns passed on Ben Roethlisberger at number six in that 2004 draft and what that could have changed in terms of the course of their history, for crying out loud. And they go, went back and they looked at some of the notes that the Browns had on this, and they felt like there's no way they could take a guy from the MAC weaker competition there at number six overall. So it's just kind of weird how there's like a symbiosis there. The Browns passed on Roethlisberger because of his um, his talent level, or at least the talent level of his opposition. And now some are saying that maybe that's a reason to pass on Wentz here, at least in the, from the Browns' perspective, because they just don't know how good he's going to be because of where he played. Uh, how big of a concern should that be for Eagles fans? It's a big concern. It's also just a concern that he hasn't had a big sample size. He's only attempted 600-something passes. You know, you compare that to Goff, who has over a thousand, and you know it's a big difference there. And uh, one of the things I think that kind of uh, maybe not calms you so much, but at least you look at and you're a little bit more encouraged is that you know you, you see what Wentz was doing at North Dakota State, and he was really in control of that offense. 
uh, making calls at the line of scrimmage. He was doing some pro-style stuff, so you kind of see the elements in his game there that you know he can he can maybe translate to the NFL easier. And again, uh, I think if this was a situation where you were starting run Wentz right away, I think you would be more concerned about that. I think it kind of lessens a little bit because he's going to sit on the bench. He's going to learn behind Bradford and Daniel and Doug Peterson and Frank Reich and John DiFilippo, who used to be in Cleveland. And I think, you know, there's there's a good enough, there's, en- there's enough time there where I think uh, the adjustment period from a smaller school like that to the NFL won't be as harsh as you're just throwing him to the wolves right away and you're putting him in there and you're counting on him to save the franchise. Uh, I think if you're you're going to draft a guy like this, I think the the patient way is the way to do it. Yeah, but you know what? You uh, as you just pointed out, we're t- <clears throat> excuse me, we're talking with Brandon Gowden of uh, BleedingGreenNation.com, uh, Eagles SB Nation site about the big trade between the uh, Eagles and the Browns. You said you know he's going to be learning behind Bradford, blah blah blah. Is he going to be learning behind Bradford? And I ask that only on the uh, basis of your article that you wrote yesterday for your site, which is Sam Bradford uh, very well may ask out of Philadelphia. In fact, you describe it as as likely to ask out of Philadelphia because he is hot, as in angry, over the move to bring a you know a first round and a number two overall pick quarterback uh, to to sit there and compete with him. Yeah, I think uh, there's there's talk about that. I think you know I'm sure Sam Bradford isn't. That all that happy about the Eagles drafting Carson Wentz. I mean, why should he be? And this is a guy who is out to take his job clearly and a guy who doesn't really help him as much as the Eagles drafting an offensive lineman or a wide receiver or running back might have helped him out. And, you know, so I, I totally see why he would be upset. But at the same time, you know, Sam Bradford has to realize it's kind of his fault. I mean, he, he hasn't played well enough to prove that he's the franchise guy. So the Eagles are obviously feeling like they need to look elsewhere. Uh, but I, I do think Bradford is the starter for this year. Doug Peterson is publicly committed to him. Howard Mose, Roseman uh, clearly stated that in his press conference right after the Eagles and Browns made the trade on Wednesday. He, he said, you know, let me make this clear. Sam Bradford is the starter. Uh, trading him would be $11 million in dead money for the Eagles. That's just, I think, too way too much just to take that cap hit since they already re-signed him earlier this offseason. Again, I think it comes back to try, uh, trying to move him next offseason and trying to get a draft pick that kind of offsets some of what the Eagles gave up this year. Brandon uh, Gowden is our guest, uh, bleedinggreennation.com, a part of SB Nation on the Bob France Afternoon Extravaganza, accompanied, of course, as always, by Jim Cushlin. Cush, go ahead. You know, when, when I keep thinking about this trade uh, uh, for these last couple of days, Brandon, you know, we, there had been rumors for for a little while now, especially involved on, on the Brown side, and some of the teams in Philly did come up as one of them talking to him. But with all the talk of the, you know, specifically on a quarterback, I gotta believe that the front office went into we have to make this move kind of mode when that Rams Titans deal for number one, which was only what about a, guys a week and a half before this one mm-hmm. ended up going down. Uh, how how much of that uh, would you say that's true in terms of? They were thinking about it, they were talking to the Browns, but once that Rams-Titans deal goes down, I get the impression that Philly is thinking to themselves, all right, we, we have to find a way to make this happen to get number two. Do you think that's accurate? I do, because I think you know there were some reports out there that the Eagles tried to get up to as high as number one. I think they finished, it was reported that they finished second to the, to the Rams, obviously. I think what hurt the Eagles is that they didn't have a second-round pick this year because of the Sam Bradford trade last year. So I think that's kind of why Los Angeles was able to beat them out. And I also think the Rams, like I said, were just more desperate because they're in a new market and everything. They really wanted the the brand value and all of that of the number one pick and being having the full NFL's full attention on draft night and things like that. 
So I think for them, it was especially worth the overpay, and I think they were willing to pay a little bit more than the Eagles were, although the Eagles were obviously just as uh, you know eager to, to move up and, and get into that number two pick. And if they really like both guys like they claim, I mean, they're going to walk away with anyone they, they like anyway. So uh, I, I just think it came down to, like I said, just the Rams having more desperation and more ammo than the Eagles did to get to number one. Do, do you know, though, did the Eagles make an effort? I mean, would, did they talk to the Titans at all about uh, you know getting number one so they could have their choice of these two guys instead of which is left? Oh, I definitely believe they did. I think they, you know they they were aggressive, and I think it just came down to to not having enough. And there were even reports uh, earlier in the off season about how the Eagles tried to move to three. So there's been talk pretty much all off season about how they've tried to move up, and they might have moved up to number eight, which is where they were uh, after trading with the Dolphins, and and where they were just right before trading with the Browns. Obviously, maybe thinking you know maybe one of the guys would fall there at the time. But as they're getting closer to the draft, realizing that's not going to be good enough to get one of the top two, probably that they need to get ahead of the Cowboys there at number four with Tony Romo turning 36 this week. So I think you know they, there was pressure on them to definitely get up high. Is there um, a little bit of, uh, what do we want to say, cushion maybe, a little more rope, a little more leash, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the new regime to turn this thing around by Eagles fans? because of um, their feelings toward Chip Kelly. I mean, how do the fans feel about Chip Kelly? You came in there, tried to change the way everything is done, doing things his own way, caused a lot of controversy, alienates, alienated some of the roster, traded off some of the most popular and best players. We all know the story. Um, do people feel like, man, that dude came in here and trashed this place, burned it down. It's going to take a little time for the new guys to build it back up again. Is there that feeling? Uh, the the memory of Chip Kelly is a little awkward because you know uh, for as as bad of a note that was left on and you know you hear the reports about how he didn't get along with people not even just players but everyone in the building and, and things like that you know you can't deny the fact that he you know he came in and he had two ten win seasons right off the bat and then he went uh, six nine before getting before week seventeen last year so he had some success and it's not like he's totally doesn't belong in the NFL, but there's also a lot of flaws with him, and I, you know, I think the memory isn't too fond of him, and as far as leaving the organization in shambles or anything, I don't think that's so much the case. I think there's still a decent amount of talent on this team. Uh, it all just really comes back to the quarterback, and you know, the Eagles have Sam Bradford, and we'll see if he can uh, make a last-ditch effort at kind of reviving his career here in a new scheme, which obviously the Eagles really aren't counting on so much because they they were desperate to get up and move up to get what's presumably going to be Carson Wentz at number two. Uh, so it kind of comes down to, for this new regime, you know, how Carson Wentz's career plays out. And like I said, if, you know, if he's the franchise quarterback, I mean, this regime is going to look like it, they're going to look very smart and they're going to be here for a long time. But if not, uh, they're going to be out the door because it's really all on them. So, so Chip Kelly isn't like public enemy number one there, then, huh? In in Philadelphia, or let me let me uh, ask I it another way. Who, yes. let, let me ask it another way. Who is um, who who was cheered louder for leaving, Chip Kelly or Sam Hinkie? <laughs> oh, I would easily to me uh, easily Chip Kelly. I think you know Sam Hinkie had a, a lot more supporters, believe it or not, even though the Sixers are bad, because I think people bought into the idea. Uh, of Sam Hinkie's vision still, even though things weren't so good, whereas Chip Kelly had been, you know, his vision, it was it just wasn't playing out, where Sam Hinkie was kind of, people were willing to be more patient. You know, the Eagles was a different situation where they had early success, and then it kind of just trended downhill from there. 
how, and I know we're off the topic here, and you write for an Eagles SB Nation site for Bleeding Green Nation, but uh, you, you've intrigued me on this the Sam Hinkie answer, the, uh, the, the uh, 76ers boss, the architect of what we affectionately, and by affectionately I mean disgustedly know as the process. Um, it failed so miserably. I, I mean, oh, it, I don't know if it failed. I don't think. How, I think. How, I don't how, think how we can it say failed? it failed. How is it? They not still failed? have a lot of. They still have a lot of assets. They have uh, four first round picks potentially this year. Uh, I'm a big believer in Joel Embiid. If you're not, and if you think he's never going to play, that's fine. I get it. He has injury concerns, but uh, I think he's especially a true talent. I know you guys are a little bit more spoiled there in Cleveland, or well, at least being closer to Cleveland with basketball and things like that. But I think. Now, if, if you're looking at this from the perspective of a Sixers fan, and I do write about the Sixers too, um, okay. it, it's just hard to, to look at this Sixers team for years after the Allen Iverson years. I mean, they were just never true contenders. They were a team every year that was just stuck in the middle, four seed, five seed. Uh, they weren't bad enough to get a good pick in the lottery and potentially get a star. Uh, they weren't good enough, and they, they were, they're not really a big enough destination to sign a star in free agency. They were just stuck in the middle constantly. I think people were just so willing to be bad and take that shot at being great than rather just be stuck being the same mediocre five-seed, four-seed every year. Yeah, now I get that part. Jim Cushland, does that sound familiar to what we were talking about oh, yeah. in the first hour with the Red Wings? The NBA has it like no other of the sports. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's very, very similar to what we were just talking about. The Red Wings just got knocked out of the playoffs up in Detroit for the third time in, uh, third time in a row in the first round. Although they made the playoffs for 25 straight years. They're not bad enough to not make it, and they're not good enough to win a cup, uh, which is <clears> kind of the point here. But in Philadelphia, we're not just talking about being bad for a couple of years. We're talking about being epically bad. We're talking about being miserably the laughing stock of the sports world for quote unquote tanking seasons in order to get higher, uh, more opportunities, more ping pong balls. And then when you get those picks, what are you doing with them? You know, you, you, you trade away one of your first round picks uh, after a couple of years of promise, I think. You get Nerlens Noel, who doesn't play his first year. You get a very similar type of big man in Embiid, who doesn't play his first year. You get Okafor, who's very good, but now you got three bigs uh, to play kind of the same positions, um, and, and, and it's still nowhere near being complete. Um, so I, I'm just looking at this and saying, maybe, maybe in theory, uh, Hinky's vision was 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 an interesting one, or a positive one, or a possibility. But in practice, the decisions that have been made with those picks, uh, and, and one of them not even here anymore, and and the and the and the and the and the sucking just continues for so long uh, with these epically bad teams. I just wonder how much more a 76er fan can really take. I think people are again. I think people are just willing to be really patient. I've been really patient. I, and you talk about uh, one pick not being here, uh, Michael Carter-Williams. They did trade him for the Lakers pick, which could potentially be as high as four this year. So they do still have that. Like I said, they have four first-round picks. Potentially, if they get the Lakers pick, it's top three protected. Uh, they still have Joel Embiid. He's supposed to be healthy this year. They have Dario Sarge coming over this year from after playing in Turkey for the past couple of years. Uh, they have uh, pretty much, I think, the most cap space in the NBA They'll be able to potentially sign players if they're able to actually attract any this offseason. So this was always going to be, I think, the offseason of, all right, you know, we've been bad, but now we have all these assets, and we're going to try to turn them into something. So we'll see if they can. I think a lot of people are more skeptical of Brian Colangelo's ability to do that based on his mixed track record in Toronto and Phoenix. But uh, I think this is the offseason that 
like I said, is supposed they, to be the one where the team makes the keep jump. All those guys are they? They're not going to keep Noel Embiid and, and Okafor, are they? And especially with Embiid, if I remember right, back at the start of the season, I don't know October, November, something like that. Uh, there were reports mm-hmm. out of Philly, and maybe you can clarify or, or refute them that he threatened, physically threatened a coach. Uh, his attitude is just being completely frowned upon by the organization. If this is one of the guys you're counting on, I mean, I'm thinking this is one of the guys you're going to have to move um, when you talk about you know the the number of big men that they have. I think it's been a frustrating time for Joel Embiid. I, I don't think they're going to move him because I think he is the most talented, and I think he has the the best potential to be the uh, the player that really moves the needle for the franchise. But you know, things have been really hard for Joel Embiid. You know, he's, he's had these injuries. His brother passed away right after he came into the NBA. It's kind of been you know, a really rough situation for him in Philly, uh, having all that pressure, being the high draft pick, and not being able to get onto the court. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. You know, I've heard rumblings of issues like that, but I do think you know, uh, this this is him getting back on the court could probably be really good for obviously not only his playing career but just his state of mind and and getting back to what he likes doing. So, you know, this is going to be obviously a huge year for him. He's been out for two years. Now let's see what he can do. I think if they're going to trade anyone, it would probably be to me Jaleel Okafor or possibly Nerlens Noel. You know, real real quick, Brandon, because I I love this subject. Even though we brought you on to talk the uh, uh, the the Eagles side of things, and you did say you do some writing for the for the Sixers stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of the quote unquote process, though? Because I've been wondering this ever since towards the end of the season when when, when they get rid of Hinky and bring in some of these other guys, and we're bringing some of them in earlier. How much of the quote unquote process, though, is going to change because the, the Sixers have made some of those changes? Because whether you think it's worked or not. It's clear based on what they've done this season and the possible amount of four first round picks that you're talking about that it would still be coming into this draft in this off season. So how much of the front office changes going to affect the whole idea? Are they, or is there any potential that they're going to scrap it and go to something else or what? Well, that's a great question. I think that's a lot of people why a lot of people were upset uh, that Sam Hinkie is gone because I think you know people figured even if you, even if you're not crazy about Sam Hinkie. I think people wanted to see him carry his vision through as opposed to just bringing in a new guy all of a sudden and then kind of like we don't know what he's going to do and what his plan is versus what Sam Hinkie's plan is. We all knew what Sam Hinkie's plan was and and uh, uh, how he was going to probably use this offseason to make the jump. But uh, it seems like the Sixers want to get back to winning and and hopefully it's not to the spot where they're, again, where we're talking about four seed, five seed every year. Uh, the hope here is that Hinky has built up enough assets that Brian Colangelo can come in here. Uh, you know, obviously, hopefully the, the Sixers win the lottery too. I mean, things like that help out and, you know, hopefully get some luck and you're able to take all those pieces and, and move forward this offseason. Uh, definitely trying to improve. Definitely a, a big difference from the past couple of years when it's just been blatant tanking. Yeah, last thing, and we'll let it go here at this, uh, and we really appreciate the time, of course. We're talking to Brandon Gowden of uh, Bleeding Green Nation uh, on SB Nation, uh, which is, of course, an Eagle site, but we're talking about the 76ers. This is the only thing that I, the problem I have with this. You know, you look at all these number one picks that they've stockpiled, and you've turned them into the guys that we just mentioned, three big guys. You're saying you could have four first-round picks now. One of them is, is protected in the top three, and all of that stuff is fine, but it sounds like what you'd be building is a Kentucky freshman team. You know, a Kentucky team of all freshmen, you got to find a way to, to, you know, guide them toward how to becoming NBA players all at the same time. And you don't have any veteran leadership. 
you know, at Kentucky, they can be one and done, and now there's somebody else's problem. Here, you're going to have to try to find a whole bunch of young guys, all of them top picks, first-round picks, who think they're the man. The ball's got to be coming to me. I was a first-round pick. Well, so was I. Yeah, well, so was I. How come I'm not getting minutes? How come Okafor's getting more than me, says Embiid? How come he's getting more than me, says Okafor? And on down the line, you've got all these young kids who all are studs and first-rounders trying to figure out how to play together. The coach is going to be key to this, and somebody to manage egos, and somebody to be a veteran. Is the is there any plan to find those kinds of guys to bring a whole bunch of little you know little uh, kindergartners in NBA parlance anyway uh, along? I think you know they are going to add some some veterans in free agency, so I think you're going to see that change this year, uh, stark change from what they've done in the past, and we'll see how much that helps or not. But I also think you know just because you have all these draft picks. And these these assets, these big men, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're keeping them. You could you could package some of those picks and some of the big men, or or both, and separately to to get a more established star in in the league. I mean, that's what we saw the Houston Rockets do to get James Harden. I think you know Sam Hinkie. I think that was kind of his vision, possibly if if not drafting a guy, you know, getting these picks and these assets to be able to pull off a trade like that, so the situation arise where a star is available. Uh, so I think, you know, there, there's, there's options here. Sam Hinkie always touted the word optionality. And I think that's what the Sixers really do have with all these picks and the money and everything. I'm skeptical of how Brian Colangelo is going to, to turn this thing into a championship contender. But I think there's enough assets that it's possible that things could work out. I, I do have one last quick question on, on this whole subject because it just popped back into my head, and it's so rare, and, and Bob, you could attest that it's, it's so rare, uh, especially the last 10 to 15 years, to get NBA players out of the Mid-American Conference, and you guys have one of them in Philadelphia. came off the bench in spurts last year, uh, Rashawn Holmes out of Bowling Green. Uh, what's his uh, possible f- uh, future in this whole mix? I really like Rashawn. I think he's a good kid. I think he... We call him Dunk Guy in Philadelphia because he dunks everything. Um, uh, he's shown some potential too with the shot. Uh, yeah, I think he's a nice guy to have on the bench as a guy who comes off the bench, rotational big guy. Uh, he, he, I like his size, physicality, gets rebounds, dunks. Uh, just a really solid role player, I think, to have. All right, really good stuff. Hey, uh, Brandon, you went overtime with us, in fact, into two sports, so we really appreciate that. Best of luck and uh, continued success to you with the website. Uh, you're the manager and editor-in-chief of Bleeding Green Nation and SB.com and SB Nation website, so people check that out if you're interested in following the Eagles. And and you know what? We're going to be watching, like I said, that, that ESPN feature on uh, Ben Roethlisberger's career after the Browns passed on him to take uh, Kellen Winslow, by the way, back in that 04 draft, uh, is a day they have rude and will continue to as he continues his Hall of Fame career. If Carson Wentz is a stud in Philadelphia and the Browns continue to struggle in their malaise because they still don't have a franchise quarterback, we're going to look back on that day, the day that trade was made, with just as much disgust and, and, uh, and uh, uh, what's the other word uh, that I'm looking for here? Uh, as much regret, that's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, as we did the Roethlisberger thing. So uh, thanks so much. We'll, we'll continue to chronicle things on your website, and we appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me. Take it easy. You got it.